us a son is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Word made flesh. Later on in our service, the children will come forward, the ones that we have here tonight. They've been practicing the song, which, as our Sunday school teacher informed me, is now a tradition because we did it for the first time last year, and we're going to continue doing it, where they sing, Away in a Manger. How many of you have ever heard this song before? Okay. Away in a Manger is a pretty common song. I bet you could even say the words with me, too. Away in a manger, no river for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Just for pausing there for just a moment. You hear those words, and almost immediately, you're ready to just lie down, relax, and picture this very tranquil, peaceful scene of Jesus, the new baby, with his mother and father, Joseph and Mary, surrounded by the animals. And even though the rest of our world around us just seems to spin so quickly, tonight, of all nights, we get to just pause. We get to slow down and witness this amazing miracle of God's love taking on human flesh. This is a time that we have waited for. The hymn writer continues on, painting the scene for us. I'll say this part. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Okay, hold on right there a second. You know, I've wondered about that line for a while. No crying he makes. Wasn't Jesus just like every other human being. In other words, as a true human being, he felt pain, right? He got hungry. He had all of the other things. He got tired. What happens when a baby gets tired? What happens when a baby is hungry? What happens when a baby feels cold? How do they make that known to people? They cry. Now, not to dissect this in a biological way in any way, but to think about this, Jesus as true man, as a baby, likely was able to communicate in that very way. We'll call it the hymn writer's poetic license, to be able to describe Jesus, no crying he makes, in order to emphasize the quietness and the peace of this evening. Or maybe the hymn writer has something else in mind. Remember the words of the prophet Isaiah as he described Jesus, the servant? He called him a lamb led to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before her shearers, so was he silent. The Gospel writer Mark recorded the fulfillment of that prophecy when he wrote in chapter 14, which is our text for tonight. Mark chapter 14, 61 to 65. 
He said, But Jesus remained silent. He gave no answer. Do you recall the situation? Standing before Caiaphas, the high priest, and the rest of the Sanhedrin, he is on trial. And he has asked very direct questions, which we will talk about in just a moment. But at that point, what we want to focus on here is the idea that Jesus, even then, no crime he makes. When we sing a hymn for Christmas, like Away in a Manger, do we really want to be thinking about a lamb being led to the slaughter? Is that what you're really focused on tonight? It sort of upsets our peace and tranquility to be thinking about this Jewish high priest who is fuming. He's tearing his robes and he is angry, shouting his interrogation at Jesus. Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I don't know if I want to hear about that either. I'd rather be watching a baby lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, cooing, not looking at a grown man who is beaten up, wearing tattered and torn robes, with people standing around booing him. Tonight is O Holy Night, not O Holy Week. But there is a connection, isn't there? Although on this night of nights we want it to be still, we want it to be quiet and peaceful, we know that one day this wooden manger that the baby lies in will be transformed into something else made of wood, into a cross. Right now, we just want to soak up every moment of peace and joy that we can, just to see that baby Jesus lying in a manger. That's where true peace on earth begins, isn't it? But the fulfillment, that final, complete, perfect peace is achieved somewhere else on Calvary's hill. So I'm inviting you now to look into that baby's eyes. Imagine this. And as you look into that baby's eyes, you look into the eyes of a man who is so determined to carry out his father's will. A man who is so filled with God's love for you that he is willing to go all the way to a wooden cross to bleed and die for you. Hold on a second. Is this going to disrupt your purpose here tonight? I have a feeling many of you have come here tonight because you've had a long day, or a week, or a month, or a long year, who knows? But a candlelight service? Shouldn't this be the opportunity for us to just relax? To get God's peace back into perspective? This is a quiet time to reflect on the miracle of God's Son born. To experience the joy of Jesus' parents and those who came to worship Him. To be with fellow believers, singing Christmas songs and praying prayers together. And just because Christmas Eve 
This year falls on a Thursday night. We shouldn't have to be focusing on Maundy Thursday already. Or Good Friday, for that matter. Wouldn't it be more fitting for us to think about the angels singing? Or that star up in the sky dancing in the night? Or the shepherds going to worship Jesus? Wouldn't you rather go that direction right now? But I ask you again, as you see up here on the screen, what brings you peace tonight? What is it that really brings you peace? Having all your Christmas shopping finally done? <laughs> waiting until the last minute, but maybe it's all done by now. Hope it's done. Or maybe it's having family from out of town. Or being together with loved ones. And getting to spend that time. Or for kids, not having to have school this past week. Or next week, peace. Being on vacation where you finally get to get some R&R. Is that what your peace is all about? <coughs> I got a better idea. Let's talk about Jesus' middle-of-the-night fiasco with the Sanhedrin, with those Jewish leaders who are interrogating him, where Jesus remains silent before his accusers. Again, the high priest asks him, are you the Messiah? The Son of the Blessed One. Can you picture this scene again? The situation is not peaceful. It's intense. It's dramatic. Probably more than we would want on a Christmas Eve. And that high priest asks a very pointed question. And he's expecting a very simple, direct answer of yes or no. For Jesus to say, yes, I am the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One, they would then accuse him of blasphemy, claiming to be God. And that's a crime punishable by death. Or if Jesus says, no, I'm not the Messiah, then they would expose him as the cowardly imposter that they wanted him to be. Either way, they got Jesus right where they wanted him. Very soon, he'll be out of their lives. But the answer Jesus gives them is not what they're expecting. And you can tell by their reaction, their frustration. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, Prophesy! And the guards took him and beat him. Tonight of all nights, this is really hard to think about. What really hurts us, though, tonight what really burns our eyes is the thought that these people stubbornly rejected the one and only who could save them. 
It's hard to understand how anybody could react in such a way, so violently towards someone who loves them so much. Someone who was born to save them. How can they treat the promised Messiah like this? The one for whom they've been waiting for centuries to finally come, and here he is standing before them. And the only thing he wants for them is for them to believe in him. And yet, he knows that they will not. Are you the Messiah? you remember Jesus' answer? The shortest complete sentence in the English language. I am. That represents the greatest claim any human being has ever made for himself. The Jewish leaders who hear Jesus say, I am, they know exactly what he's trying to say. You know that that is the same name that the Lord uses there at the burning bush when he was speaking to Moses. 1,500 years earlier. I mean, there's no mincing of words here. There's no confusion in what Jesus is saying. And when they hear this, they're angry. And yet Jesus shines his answer bright and clear because he wants them to see. He wants them to believe and to be gathered to him But you, Jerusalem, you were not willing. By God's grace, I am willing. By God's grace, through faith in Jesus, you are willing. You are willing and you see that word, that baby in a manger, God's eternal son, now taking on human flesh. The Apostle John says about that baby, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. Tonight, yes, we are here to be filled with peace and the warmth of God's light, the power of his light. And to see it shining through the darkness of sin and unbelief on this silent night, can you look away from that cradle for a moment in order to examine the one who is standing in the cold in that chilling courtroom? Or does it feel a little awkward and out of place? Too much of a strain to look into Jesus' eyes at this time, his eyes that are filled with so much pain and love at the same time. I mean, is this really why we come here tonight? I don't like to think about that either. Not tonight. Not ever, really. But especially not tonight, because it brings us closer to that uncomfortable reality of why the great I Am would be lying there away in a manger. And then why the Son of Man would stand alone in the middle of a courtroom surrounded by the hatred of evil people. And it's not just their fault. It's my fault. 
it's your fault too. Because of our damnable sins, this innocent child, Jesus, grows up, remaining innocent, and then experiences the life in our same sinful world. And then the horror and agony of the cross that our guilt deserves. Our hell and our separation from God's love, Jesus took it all on him. And when that payment was finally complete, God's perfect son, once born in a manger, lays down his life, and he breathes his last because of us, for us. And on that cold night, perhaps Mary and Joseph have no idea what's going to happen later on. All they know is that he is their Savior. But later on, they're clued in when Simeon talks to them. And he tells Mary, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. The angel has told them what this beautiful baby will do. It's bittersweet because they know they know that Jesus will pay that price. And they believe. And that's why we are here tonight. In faith, you've come here to see this baby, the great I Am. He brings you peace that lasts and that lights the way through the dark world. And one day we will get to experience that perfect, unending peace when we get to see Jesus face to face. Tonight, we picture, we imagine, we believe as we look into the eyes of that one who was born for you and for this whole world. God willing, through faith you can see the eternal King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let that quiet and stillness of this evening become the joy and excitement that cannot be contained or silenced. <clears throat> The Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. Amen.